Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Brian, the official trailer for Dune has come out, and I know that this isn't media candy, but uh, we had to talk about it now, immediately. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm going to watch the movie. Uh, I don't have uh, look. It's got to be a Game of Thrones style series to do, to do the book justice. But uh, what it seems fine. Uh, the one thing I'm a little bit bummed out about is, uh, as this is not really a spoiler alert, hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, if you've read all the books, you know that the real uh, star of the series is uh, Duncan Idaho. And if this, if the, if the movie takes off and they end up doing all the movies, I'm not looking forward to a lifetime of watching Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he plays Duncan Idaho. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, casting is always tough on these things. So, <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought it looked good. No, it, it looks really good. Um, you know, no sting in his flying underwear. That'll be a bummer to not see that. But uh, you know, it's a. It seems fine. It, it's a nice trailer. It uh, it seems to hit a lot of the keynotes. Uh, I I'd like some of the some of the design that they went with. I I dislike some of the design they went with. I'm not uh, crazy about the Bene Gesserit look, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I got to say, though, best sandworm of all of them so far. Well, yeah, I mean, we've got uh, we've got the technology now. We, we have the technology. <laughs> That's right. We finally so. have the technology to do the sandworm proper justice. Yeah, it's a good it's good looking worm. So I, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> that's a, that's what we came out of the Dune trailer. It's a good looking good, worm. good looking worm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and everybody, enough already! Stop, stop telling us to watch Ted Lasso. I I get it, and uh, and I, I figured out who who obviously was tweeting me, which I mentioned on the last show. It's Jason Sudeikis is the one that keeps liking the tweets when people tell me to watch Ted Lasso because it's his show. Yes. So uh, yeah, we'll yeah. watch it. I, I think by far this is something that we've gotten the most feedback on. I, I don't know why uh, people are uh, obviously somebody has reached out to our listeners and given them some some cash to promote it apparently because uh, yeah we <laughs> every single message we're getting is telling us to watch Ted Lasso okay we'll watch it do you know what it's about uh soccer player I think right I, I remember seeing a trailer for it a long time ago uh before people started you know just basting us with this go watch it and going oh that looks interesting I should watch that it's about an American coach and his uh, his coach uh, that come to England to coach a soccer team. We'll see. Sounds right up my alley, actually. Exactly. <laughs> I watched the first episode last night, and I'm in love with it, so I'm going to keep watching it. It is very funny. Oh. So, yes, please, enough already. We get it. We're watching it. Shut up. <laughs> okay, no more messages about it. And speaking of shutting up, Jesus, Crispy, Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash are peppering television everywhere with these fucking Prop 22 ads. Remember, they are not profitable companies. Not profitable companies <laughs> and taking the money that they could be paying to the drivers and telling us to vote for a proposition here in California so they have to pay the drivers even less. Yep. So if you think that they're a good company, all of them, all three of them, no, nah, they're not. They're not. They're just trying to save their bacon. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I feel it's probably going to work. They're pretty good ads, unfortunately. Yeah, so. I, I have a feeling it's going to pass, too, because most people don't... Uh don't really look into things or listen to us. <laughs> no, 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 nobody listens to us. And they don't understand the nuance of the problem here. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, so Brian, you updated our uh, our new store, which is not live yet. Uh, yesterday with some new designs for some T-shirts and stuff, and mugs and all, and the like. Yeah, you had uh, you had done some research because we were a little annoyed at the uh, inability to do a shirt that we had liked or uh, or get a hat, hat. which yeah. we couldn't do with our with our current store provider. So you had found a new one, and I had finally logged in and uploaded our basic logo to kind of see what happens, and it auto populated about seven thousand products, all of which looked pretty good with the with the logo so yeah i was uh i was pretty excited about that then what happened uh you sent me a text and said hey you know once we put the masks and stuff that we have from our other store up there we should be good to go and i'm like okay let me get on that because i've got the original photoshop docs and then i went back and turns out the original docs don't work so i had to redesign the whole thing to make it work for the new style of masks that they have Mm -hmm. and uh i uploaded of course team jason first and yes, of course. Within 10 seconds, I get a note from them saying, I'm sorry, this is in violation of copyright. Uh, if you would like to, <laughs> if you would li- like to uh, fight this fight, then uh, send, a, send us a note and tell us why and if you have copyright and blah, 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 blah. So I, I think your your immediate email back to me was, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I went through the rigmarole. I sent in the sent in the documents and everything. And uh, they say they I got a note back this morning and they say we show this listing was incorrectly flagged by our security system. And we apologize for any trouble this may have caused. This listing has been unsuspended and we are having our system updated to help prevent this from happening again. Now, now, here's the rub. Hold on, there's a kicker here. <laughs> there's a kicker. Unfortunately, once a listing has been unsuspended, it is unable to be added to a storefront. Why? I would argue that actually there is no unsuspension taking place here because if an item has been taken down and been suspended, but if you tell us that if it's unsuspended, it can't go back up and we have to rebuild the item, it has never been unsuspended, has it? No, it has not. No, if, it fucking if, hasn't. <laughs> if you wish to have it available for a storefront, you will need to duplicate the listing instead of relaunching it. Please allow a full 24 hours to pass before relaunching or launching a new listing to allow the system time to update. We apologize for the trouble and any inconvenience this has caused you. Thank you, Team Teespring. I'm uh, not impressed. Team Teabag. Actually, this is... I didn't intend to discuss this on the show with you, but I actually have a real issue with this, and I'm starting to think maybe we should not use Team Teabag. I don't know, because it's the best one so far. (laughs) We can get the stuff we want. Sort (laughs) of. Here's the deal. Everybody's got their flaws. This is a big fucking flaw, though. A big flaw is, yes. Uh, By the way, Teespring, you need to fix this, because if Mm -hmm. something is suspended and taken down, and then you go through the process to realize, oh, this shouldn't have been suspended, and it shouldn't have been taken down... You need to be able to put it back up, not have people have to recreate them. No, they should immediately relist it to the store, period. Mm-hmm. That should be the process. So if your crappy programmers can't figure out how to do that, because obviously you have crappy programmers because we were automatically suspended for something that was absolutely Look, not our fault. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a database entry that is flag, and then you unflag, <laughs> unflag it. That's it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh man, it's just it's an it's irksome. But like I said, every every single one of these stores has issues. Like some of them have serious issues. Well, and I would categorize this as a, this serious, is a serious issue. <laughs> yeah, so I guess all of them have serious issues. So it's which serious issue do we do, do we try and and uh, yeah. you know turn a blind eye to? So yep. way well, to go, Team Teabag. Awesome. 
TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. Oh, by the way, time is TikToking away for TikTok to sell. So that's right. There's some interesting things that are happening with the old talk of the tick, mm-hmm. and uh, they have they were going to launch a transparency center here in Los Angeles where people could go and apparently get you know white glove treatment to be shown the algorithm and how it creates what it creates. <laughs> which is interesting. Well, I'll go back to that in a second. Well, since they can't open it right now, they did a virtual tour mm-hmm. for a bunch of journalists. Mm-hmm. And so that what they're trying to do is say, look, this is this is our algorithm. This is how we craft it, blah, 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 blah. And we know that filter bubbles exist and we are doing our gosh golly darndest to make sure that we bust those filter bubbles. And, uh, you know, this all comes with the, the TikTok ticking for them to sell the company based on the pumpkin in charge mm-hmm. and which has which we now have, you know, basically two different timelines on which this thing is supposed to be sold. One's in November, one's in a couple days. So nobody knows what the hell's going on. So I just thought this was very interesting uh, how they're trying to do this. And I think part of this is, and this is why I I brought it up, is because, you know, the Chinese have said, oh, we are putting export regulations on content delivery algorithms. You you don't you don't get our code for the uh, for what you're trying to be transparent about. Exactly. Which is them just trying to basically throw a wrench in the works for this deal because they're pissed off at the pumpkin. Well, you know, all all of these machinations going on. But I think what they're trying to do here is say, hey, we're giving away the algorithm here. We're giving away the secret sauce so we can get around it being part of this deal. You know, I think they saw this coming and they've been working on this for a while to be putting things out there. To say, hey, this isn't such a secret sauce. It's kind of just the basic stuff, you know? Yep. So it's interesting. It's interesting. But, uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks are going to tell the uh, the future of the TikTok. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. It's too big to fail right now. Nothing's too big to fail, Brian. MySpace. Tom. <laughs> ask Tom. Ask just Tom. ask Tom. I'm sure Tom is quite fine. I'm sure he did okay. <laughs> he hasn't popped up with uh, you know his next startup, which means he probably owns an island somewhere. Yes. And I saw a really interesting article this, uh, this week. The real reason there was a beer, hand sanitizer, yeast, and pasta shortage. Obviously, we've been dealing with these sorts of things uh, through the goddamn half year of a pandemic so far, uh, where we've seen grocery stores stocked, unstocked, etc. I've noticed that hand sanitizers, uh, not hand sanitizers, but the wipes, have been impossible to find again recently. And I've also noticed that paper products seem to be uh, not impossible to find, but certainly aisles aren't as stocked as they used to be. So we're going through yet another one of these uh, waves of things not being available. And uh, they've gone really deep into why things haven't been available. And it turns out it's not the items themselves, it's the packaging. Right. I actually just listened to a podcast about this uh, last night, and I was like half asleep, so I can't remember which actual podcast it was on, or I'd link to it. <laughs> yep. But yeah, they go into the details about how hard it is to retool the machinery to actually get this stuff to do. It might have been Kotki Ride Home. Yeah, because there's, there's always like, been two basically two supply chains. There's been the B2B, the business-to-business, shipping right. to restaurants, shipping to all that sort of stuff. You know, gigantic, massive, like even bigger than Costco-style, uh, you know, pallets of poo paper and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. there, there's been the uh, the commercial aspect, which is, you know, for us, going to grocery stores and all that sort of thing. And apparently, you know, the demand has been so high, we've run through all of that, and they have to retool 
retool the stuff for B2B for consumers now. There aren't enough cardboard boxes for pasta. There aren't enough paper satchels for yeast. There aren't enough plastic canisters for disinfectant wipes. And that's the reason. And it takes a lot of money and a lot of time to repurpose things. And yeah, and a lot of people to get trained up on the machines and all that stuff. So exactly, I'm, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure what Cocky Ride Home did was just read this article on the air. That's why I know it. this is it's the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. But, so, and they talk about beer specifically uh, since America yeah. has been forced to do more of their drinking at home rather than at bars. Demand for kegs has plummeted, while demand for retail containers has skyrocketed. In the spring alone, that translated into a shortage of aluminum cans, which saw nearly 30 percent rise in demand from March to early May, and just a five percent swing can be. Seen significant enough to disrupt the beer industry's supply chains. This is why we can't have nice things. Well, no, it just means we need to get a tap in our homes and buy kegs. That's exactly. What well, that's what I was thinking. It's just like, okay, well, that's fine. But the, there could have been solutions to these problems. You could have just shipped the you know, B2B version to a grocery store and let them tear it apart and stock it. Uh, yeah, well, for some of the stuff, you know, for some yeah. of the stuff, yeah, uh, you can't really just have somebody sitting there with a bunch of kegs at the <laughs> grocery store. That would be called a bar, but they do serve food at the grocery store. So I guess mm, they could get around work that. around, work, <laughs> work around. around. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just have everybody buy bulk because that's what everybody wants to do anyway. Exactly. You know? That is what people have been wanting to do anyway. So, and I haven't been to Costco, um, since the pandemic started, but I'm sure that they've been stocked. Yeah, and if you're looking for wipes, uh, Target's a good good bet every now and again. I get every I now get and again. Uh, I've been yeah. stopping at the Target down in Orange County when I visit my mom every weekend, and have not been able to find a wipe there for two months now. See, the trick is you need a local so you can go talk to the people who work there, and they'll tell you when the trucks come in with exactly. the different stuff, so you yep. can get there in the morning. I know, I know all the delivery schedules for all my local grocery stores and uh, big box stores. It's kind of scary, but yeah. Yep, it's the new reality. And speaking of the new reality, I also saw this article. Your phone can show you just how much your life has shrunk in the pandemic. Now, obviously, we know phones. <laughs> for can... me and you, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really not that different for me because I've structured my life that even pre-pandemic, I didn't really leave a three-mile square area unless I went to the airport to go very far away. So those trips have gone. But uh, yeah, so this is written by an author who signed up for the Google Maps timeline. And I love this. Every month oh, since God. COVID-19 <laughs> began, Google Maps timeline has taunted me with my monthly update, an email summary of my personal location history, where I've been, how many places I've visited, how much distance I've covered, and what percentage of the circumference of the globe this accounts for. I'm not <laughs> sure whether Google means to ridicule me, although how else you can describe someone... Showing someone exactly what the worst year of their life looks like, and I'm sure I could unsubscribe from the service if I wanted to, but I do not. I continue to open it each month because the numbers are painfully fascinating. Painfully fascinating. I think that might be a show title right there. Yeah. And I love this part. Since April, the email has opened with a trigger warning. This timeline email what? is an automated summary of places you've been, which may be fewer this month due to COVID-19 response in your area. Oh, my God. Do we really need a trigger warning for something that you signed up for? Yes, oh. apparently we do. Actually, and tangent, speaking of that, uh, I was on Patreon earlier today. So, you know, and along with trigger warnings, we apparently are now need to be so coddled into everything. I went over to Patreon because we had had uh, one or two new subscribers. Thank you very much. And I usually send everybody a personal message uh, when they subscribe and, uh, you know, say thank you so much for supporting the show and all that. Now, when you click message on Patreon, it gives you a little... A little, a little message along with the window. It says, yeah. here is a secret. Messaging someone is an enjoyable experience. 
Oh, go fuck yourself, Patreon. Go fuck yourself, Patreon. <laughs> I don't need a little encouraging note about uh, a note I'm about to write anyways. And oh. you know what? It's not really. Messaging is often not an enjoyable experience. No, it's not, because it's usually customer service. Yes. Oh. Yeah, Anyways. it's funny. I, I don't know if you notice on LinkedIn, too, if you have to message people. It gives you options at the bottom for one-click messaging. It's like, hey, <laughs> thanks you. Thank you for the follow or blah, blah, blah. It's just like all these little one-click things. And I'm like, how lazy do you have to be? I mean, I purposely don't <laughs> follow people on LinkedIn who send me the generic like things like, Hey, I would like to join your network. I'm like, okay, well, no, fuck yourself. You're not going <laughs> to join my network because you didn't have the 30 seconds to write a note and say why you found me, how you found me and why you want to follow me. So no, you don't get, you don't even get an, an automated reply. You just get a, a lifetime ban dickhead. But, but yeah, yes. LinkedIn has been adding those things in like, you know, the auto replies. I'm like, right. how lazy do you have to be? Pretty, pretty lazy. But, you know, yeah. messaging is an enjoyable experience, so use a canned response. <laughs> yes, messaging is so enjoyable that I just need <laughs> one click to do it. Christ. I found this one last night, which really kind of freaked me out, and it was over at CNN. They've done a deep dive on Amazon Basics products. Mm -hmm. And it turns out a lot of them are really crappily built and tend to burst into flames. Hang on a second. <laughs> you mean the basic products, which can show up, say, within three to four hours and cost next to nothing, are not great and well-made? Nope, apparently Whoa, not. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, the CNN reporters used uh, the keywords fire, dangerous, and burn uh, and went through Amazon Basics. And they found 1,500 reviews about Amazon Basics electronics and appliances posted by U.S. customers from 2016 to early 2020 that described safety-related issues. It was at that point I went around my house and found every single Amazon basic cable that I have <laughs> and unplugged them because I have a bunch of them. And the pictures on the Amazon article are, you know, this guy whose cell phone blew up because the, the cable shorted out. And I'm right. like, I have, a, I have a, a really amazing fear of fire. Fire mad! Well, you're in the wrong state right now. <laughs> Tell me about it. That's why I'm prepared to go at any given moment. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, they they make and sell, well, they they buy companies that make and sell cheap shit. They slap the Amazon logo on it mm -hmm. and uh, send it out. So and uh, all of the all of the reviews were verified. So they did buy those um, those actual products. And you know the the Amazon Basics products that I love are my plates. I have I have a dishware collection by Amazon Basics, which is great. Looks just just like the ones that my dad got. I think it wasn't Bristol Farms, but one of those highfalutin places. They cost him like three hundred dollars, and I got mine for like twenty seven bucks, and they look exactly the same. Nothing says bachelor more than an Amazon Basics plate collection. Dude, they look good. I'm telling you, they look <laughs> I'm, I'm really sure good. They do. I'm sure they do. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, but he, the thing is, my, my, uh, my soup bowl is not going to short out and burn down the house while I'm sleeping. So, you know, caveat emptor on Amazon basics. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's definitely making me think twice. I've, I certainly have a couple of phone charger cables that are from Amazon basics just because you look at the price and you go, well, why would I pay more? Well, now you know why. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you know, the more, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, the past is the beginning. Is the past is the beginning. Facebook is launching campus to keep college kids connected. Oh, great! Which is what Facebook was initially. <laughs> initially, that's what it fucking was. 
Well, sort of. I mean, we we must always remember that Facebook started as a by Mark Zuckerberg basically going through um, <laughs> gopher gopher sites for photos of people <laughs> and doing hot or not on all the chicks. Yeah, on it was campus. a hot or not clone. That's so, all. Yeah, that's what it was. But. They are relaunching this, so Facebook is embracing its history with the launch of Facebook Campus, a college-only social network, or social networks. It's basically a white-branded service for every single university, so it would be basically specific to the college that you're going to. So all you need to do to get started, apart from actually attending the school, is to punch in your college email and graduation year, and by default, your name, profile photo, and hometown will be carried over from your regular Facebook profile if you want, or you can edit that because you're trying to set up a new identity because you're going to college well or you're going to college from home at this point hopefully (laughs) because all we've seen is cases rising anytime a college tries to open up but there you you see that graph do you see that graph that came out i did Oh uh, my God! It just is, this is this part where colleges reopened and boom through boom. the roof. <laughs> yes. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk uh, it? And Brian, I don't think we can say white labeled anymore. I think we have to go back to OEM. Oh, okay. So, white yeah. label is triggering. I'm pretty sure it is. I I I, I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore. <sighs> white labels matter, people. Yes, they do. <laughs> I want to use that as a show title, but it would actually trigger Dude, people. <laughs> no, you cannot. I I forbid it. Okay. I forbid it. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, I saw this in the news, which I thought was interesting. Microsoft Teams will bring fans into NFL stadiums virtually. We had our first uh, NFL football game last night, and the season is starting up. So just like the NBA, the NFL will use Microsoft Teams to bring fans into stadiums virtually when the season starts. A mosaic of virtual spectators will d- be displayed on LED screens in stadiums and on broadcasts during key games. Uh, each game's home team will invite some fans to watch games together in a VR. VIP teams meeting and they will see a feed of the game alongside a gallery view of other fans and they'll be included in mosaics as well. Audio from the meetings will be mixed with augmented crowd noise that has been customized for each stadium. Now, this is kind of cool. I mean, you know, you got you got to adapt. Yep. Oh, I I want the over and under on how many dick pics are going to be shown on that first game that they do this. They better have cock recognition technology. I'm you know that you. they're actually going to have AI's people, people doing the monitoring on this yeah. because it's a big deal. Now, I mean, I, I think this is kind of cool. I, I like to see the way that technology is being used to adapt to these strange circumstances we find ourselves in. And I actually am not uh, surprised that they're using Microsoft Teams because in my limited usage of Teams thus far, I've got to say their video has been great, uh, far better than almost any other competitor that I've used, certainly way better than Zoom. So I can understand them using the technology i just find it strange that they want to do i i I, microsoft teams is supposed to be a business thing this is like linkedin launching videos or you know trying to compete with tiktok to me i i just find it strange that they don't try to stay in their lane that everybody's trying to be everything to everybody at this point aren't they well, they've got video technology, so they're going to use it's it to a their good advantage. One. And it's a good one. So, again, I, I understand why they're using it because I, I really do, uh, from my experience, it's been the best. But it just seems – it just feels weird that, you know, here I go. I launch Teams be- because, you know, that's that's my work thing. But I'm also going to watch the football game in it. It's no more weird than Apple having its own dedicated studio network and making TV shows. Okay, I like my iPad, but now <laughs> I got now I got people badgering me to go watch an Amazon original or I mean an Apple original called Ted Lasso. Thank yep. you. That I makes know. no sense to me. But well, you like know, I said, everybody's trying to be everything to all people now. Yep. 
This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. On this show, we often discuss the vast amount of personal info floating around out there. We're talking home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. If you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're definitely not alone. That's why I need to tell you about Delete Me. It's been a game changer for me in protecting my personal information. As someone who's been bombarded with spam calls and phishing attempts, discovering Delete Me was like finding a magic shield. Here's a really frustrating fact. The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. With rising political tensions, your political views could expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence. Angry people fueled by their beliefs can access your data from data brokers that cover 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment, identity theft, or worse. But there's good news. Delete Me works tirelessly to safeguard your data. They scour the internet, finding and removing your personal information from some of the largest data brokers in the world. And they don't just do it once. They continuously monitor to ensure your info stays private. I signed up and provided details on what I wanted removed, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me updated with regular reports, showing me where my information was popping up and confirming when it was deleted. Seeing their commitment to protecting my privacy has truly been a relief. Now, here's something special for all of you. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and use promo code GOG at checkout. The only way to get that 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash GOG and enter code GOG at checkout. That's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Delete Me. Today, I want to share something personal and honestly a bit alarming. Now, on this show, we talk a lot about how much of our personal info is out there. We're talking about home addresses, contact details, and even information about your family. And if you've ever felt that uneasy feeling about your privacy, you're not alone. That's why I want to tell you about Delete Me. It's a game changer for protecting your personal information. As someone who's been through the ringer with spam calls and phishing attempts, finding Delete Me felt like a breath of fresh air. Could your potential views expose you to cybercrimes, identity theft, or even violence in this election year? The amount of personal data available online has tripled from 2019 to 2023. Angry individuals motivated by their political beliefs can now easily access personal details from data brokers for 98% of U.S. citizens, putting you at risk of harassment and identity theft. Fortunately, you can safeguard your data with Delete Me. Delete Me scours the Internet, finding and removing you and your family's personal data from hundreds of data broker websites. And they don't just do it once. They monitor your information to ensure that it stays private. I signed up and provided the specifics on what I wanted to go, and the team at Delete Me took it from there. They keep me in the loop with regular updates, showing exactly where my info was popping up and confirming when it was removed. Seeing how dedicated they are to protecting my privacy is a relief. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now available at a special discount for our listeners. 
Get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and use promo code G-O-G at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash G-O-G and enter code G-O-G at checkout. One more time, that's J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash G-O-G with code G-O-G at checkout. Security? Ha! We're joined again this week by Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast. Dave is also the co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with our new friend, Ben Yellen, where they discuss <laughs> law and policy, as well as surveillance and privacy. And a big shout out to Ben Yellen for joining us last week, even yeah. though he's not up on his Star Wars canon, which was fairly disappointing. You Only know, reason you I... get to keep your job, Dave. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, we're going to ask you to clear many... out your Dropbox. Yeah, I say there aren't many things that I would consider to be disqualifying, but uh, that's probably as close to the line as we can get uh, <laughs> in terms of things. But uh, no, I listened to the episode. I thought it was great. It sounds like you guys had a good time. I, I did talk to Ben this week and he said he had a great time as well. So yeah, it awesome. like worked out. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I might be having a few uh, days off in the coming future, and we might hit him up to be the actual co-host for the episode. We should oh, see. Oh, cool. Yeah. He would like that. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's a lot of fun and certainly knows his stuff. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's and a rarity on the show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. He puts the rest of us to shame. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The uh, the IQ goes up a few points when he walks in the room. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> I'd ask you, Dave, but you know how much work goes into it. So don't tell Ben like what yeah. it actually takes to be a co-host on the show. Maybe we can get him for one at least. Before yeah. he goes, are you shitting me? <laughs> right. You want me yeah. to do what? Is it yeah. Effort? No. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so I have a bit of follow-up. We spent uh, some time, actually almost a, an entire segment, discussing MTV a couple weeks back and uh, going mm -hmm. down memory lane. And lo and behold, Biography just put out an MTV documentary called I Want My MTV, a two-hour hmm. special. Uh, I watched it. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it yet, Dave, but it will take you down memory lane. Unfortunately, I think there is a market for another documentary. There was very little camera time or, or interviews with the original VJs. It was mostly a lot of the uh, the original bigwigs uh, congratulating themselves and patting themselves on the back for being so uh, so incredibly innovative at the time and for doing a shit ton of cocaine. <laughs> oh, great. You're not really selling me on this, Brian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like something I'd like to check out. What, did you have any sense that they had trouble getting participation from those original VJs? Uh, no, no, because they definitely did do short interviews with all of them. I think it was more the story that they wanted to tell was more about, um, you know, the, the, the actual um, way that the company was run. Uh, I see. So, but you did get an awful lot of footage. Um, you know, really interesting stuff about how the logo was created and and the decisions that they made uh, to basically create. Uh, and get it up and running and how difficult it was at the time because absolutely no cable provider wanted to carry them. Um, hmm. So how they had to sell it and uh, kind of the downfall as well as, uh, you know, they, they glossed on it briefly at the very end about how, well, <laughs> nobody cares to watch videos anymore. So I guess we're going to become a reality TV station. Right. Right. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. interesting. It was definitely worth it. But like I said, I, I do believe that there is definitely a market for another take on this and, and really diving into the VJs in particular. Yeah, no, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds right up my alley. Yeah, very good. 
All right. Well, let's get to some security news here. Sort of. Mm. First off here. <laughs> uh, our, our mayor, Eric uh, Shinsetti. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have How do you really a new- feel, Jason? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> many jeepers. Uh, we now have a uh, COVID-19 contact tracing app here in Los Angeles. Sort of. Uh, they partnered with the... Uh, <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the damn app, and I Citizen. use it every day. Citizen. I was going to say Community, but yes. uh, that's a TV Citizen, show. Citizen, the a... slightly less racist version of Neighbors. I've I've had no racism come <laughs> my way on on the Citizen app so far. Yeah, because it's uh, much less about chatting and, and social, and it's more like you actually get information about crimes that are occurring near you. Yeah, and people actually going to the scene and sending you videos and stuff like that. Hmm. Unfortunately, the falafel king burnt down yesterday, and uh, that was that was the the daily news because <laughs> there's always an assault down the street for me. But anyway, back to the actual COVID nineteen <laughs> thing here. Uh, they uh, put out an app called Safe Pass. My roommate and I signed up for it, so we are we're giving it a shot. I did notice that half of my Bluetooth devices fritz in and out now that that thing is running, which is kind of annoying, especially since my AirPods are on Bluetooth. But, uh, of course, they say they're going to, you know, delete all the data. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We've lost Jason. (laughs) It's funny. This is the second time we've had a big cutout on the show, and and the previous one happened while we were discussing, like, uh, basically how we've become a third world nation. And our infrastructure uh-huh. is toast, and that's yeah. when we had to cut out. Uh, Jason, we totally lost you there for like uh, almost a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the mayor's goons were listening in, and they cut the line. Second time yeah. this show. <laughs> <laughs> Garcetti's just standing out there with a sad face. I'm sorry, Jason. We're going to have to take you in. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you love me? Why don't you love me? <laughs> yes, they say it's not a replacement for formal contact tracing. So this is contact tracing light. So, what does that mean exactly? Well, because they, you know, they still have people on the phones actually doing real contact tracing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, of course. This is so. just this just adds to their arsenal. So did did you install it? Yes, I did. I, I have Citizen, but I have not installed their contact tracing app yet. So yes, my roommate and several of my other friends have installed it. We have it, and okay. uh, you fill out a simple form talking about your your if you have any symptoms or things like that. It takes about two minutes to go through the setup, but uh, once you're done, that's <laughs> it. It just runs. So we'll see. We'll see what my battery life's like. Like I said, my all my devices have decided to go cattywampus, but. Uh, you know, it's worth a shot. Right. It's worth a shot. It's like, you know what? If I am around somebody that has it, I would kind of like to know. But, uh, you know, I'm sure the numbers are it, – it's you're getting a small, small percentage of the population who actually installs this app and uses it. So, Well, yeah, it does require mm-hmm. an awful lot of effort. You have to install it, and then if, should you actually get COVID or feel symptoms, you actually have to tell people that. Um, yeah, you, you know, have to report it to the app. Which is kind of a bridge too far, I think, for many people. Um, and some we'll people, and you know, I, I had this conversation with my roommate this morning. She's like, do I even want to tell anybody that I got it? Because that might screw up my, 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 my gig or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. some people might just say I'm taking some time off and never tell anybody, um, you know, is there a stigma around getting it? it? You know, the good thing to do would obviously be to tell everyone and call everyone, you know, but as we've learned, not a lot of people are good. So uh, it's just one and of those it, things. It, yeah. What if it uh, affects your ability to get insurance in the future? Ooh. Exactly. Mm, yeah. Yes. 
Well, so there's a lot. There's a lot of ifs out there with this. So, do you guys get the sense that we sort of this horse has left the barn in terms of the, the COVID tracking apps? If we had have only known about this in February, oh, oh, yeah. never mind. Uh, yes, I think the the horse has left the barn. For I the mean, most part. It, it, yeah, I think so. Just because I don't think anybody is going to be bothering to install it or do anything with it. But in, in theory, the horse has not left the barn because obviously things are still not good, and uh, we're seeing uh, we're seeing signs of second waves in Europe already. So it's kind of it's it's coming again. It hasn't really left. We certainly could be using things like this. It would be helpful. Yeah. It just seems to me like when we were on the leading edge of this and everyone was still in a mode where they felt their civic duty was there to do whatever it took and the real... <laughs> it's gone. It's long right. gone. Well, exactly. Um, and now we've switched into, uh, I don't know, melees and, and conspiracy theories. Yeah. And people yeah. kind of just being done with it and getting back to normal life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really do have like a separated society now. We've, I've certainly, I, even just amongst my friends, uh, you know, half my friends have basically just thrown their hands up in the air. Uh, generally, single ones and you know, people that don't have elderly family that they're visiting, or and they're just going back out to the bars and restaurants and living life like they used to. And then the other half is like me, just cowering in our little foxholes, still mm-hmm. feeling kind of like an idiot. Well, there was there you'll, was you'll get the last laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there was an interesting article in the New York Times that I, I'm going to have to dig up, but it talked it talked about you know the psychological implications of all of what's been happening, and saying that you know we do turn into kind of selfish assholes after a while of being you know away from other people, and how when we go back to quote unquote normal life, nothing's going to be normal because everybody has this psychological damage from everything we've been through. And mm-hmm. I think, like you said, your your single friends, Brian, they have been mm-hmm. the ones that have you know the most impacted because they haven't been out and their social game is probably really off right now yeah and, and like, and I, like I tell them selfish uh, like i tell them too i i don't blame you i i don't blame you for going back to your regular life you 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 know you're hanging out with a set group of people you all do the same thing you don't have any, anyone you're worrying about but please stop inviting me because it's annoying because yeah. I can't go, and I don't, you right. know, it's it's just like just I want to, I want to, I des- yes, you, of course, I want to go watch the baseball game at the bar. And, yeah, you have to stand and practice the violin. Yeah, I, and the, you know, it does kind of feel that way. You know, sad me, poor me, right, right. Yeah, but I, I agree with you, Jason. I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a psychological shit show when when this ends, and and we all have to remember it's not going to end with a magic bullet. Even a vaccine, if it comes, is going to be a slow rollout. This is the whole well, process of getting back to whatever normal is going to be is going to be taking period. It's going to go over a long period of time, and and people are messed up. Here's the thing. Here's what I've been thinking about since today is September 11th, and we talked about this in the show mm-hmm. already. Um, or maybe later. I don't know. The timeline is <laughs> whatever the up. timeline is. Uh, we're we're nineteen years into nine eleven, right? Mm-hmm. And life still hasn't returned to normal since nine eleven. 
I think we are going to be stuck with this, at least, you know, for the three of us for the rest of our lives, because, you know, we're not spring chickens and we're going to be the the ramifications of all this. This is going to be normal now. You know, things change like, you know, you still have to take your damn shoes off to get on a plane. Yeah. And if you want and now, if you want to get on a plane, (laughs) go with God, because you might be meeting him soon. Well, Um, you know, my wife and I have talked about that quite extensively because she went and she taught law in China for a couple of years after she graduated and things of that nature. So she's lived over there. She knows the culture very well. And she said, look, you know, masks are normal. They've been normal in Asia because Asia has dealt with pandemics in the past. Uh, and and wearing a mask, there's no stigma to it. Uh, people just wear them. They were wearing them before COVID. They, it became part of regular life. And and I don't know if that's going to happen here because we have things like Sturgis and, you know, yeah, Amer- America. <laughs> we, have, we have Olympic gold medalist volleyball players screaming about freedom and, and, and wearing a mask is, is an infringement on our freedom. So it's not really built into our culture. But again, I think it's going to be we're going to have a, a split society. Uh, a lot of us, even in America, will be wearing masks from now on. That's just going to be normal. Mm-hmm. I think about my grandparents and their generation who lived through the Depression and how that left them with a sense of uh, hoarding things. You know, I remember when my grandfather passed away, we were going through his house. Like he had in a, down in his basement, he had a pretty, basically a room full of canned goods, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he was, you know, he had a, he, he worked the re- most of his life. He had a good union job. He was, you know, solidly in the middle class and all that kind of thing. But that had been put into him that, you know, you don't, you hang on to things. You don't throw things away because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already there. I got him. (laughs) I'm with him. You know, I know. I I wonder. I have a really good friend that's a a very um, well-known and famous and and well-off individual due to what he does for a living. Uh, But he grew up on the streets, dirt poor. And Hmm. there's no such thing as enough money. Um, He knows Theoretically, he has more than enough money to live the rest of his life very comfortably, but it, it, that mindset is, is in him, and right. it'll never be enough. And and I just think uh, the kind of yeah, we're just uh, what we're going through psychologically with this whole thing is going to affect a lot of us for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yep. Good times. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I got this other post over at Threat Post about uh, the EFF making a stink about contact tracing apps and privacy and seems a little uh, – we'll just move on from the contact tracing. It'll be in the show notes if you want to read it. <laughs> but uh, let's move over to the to Amazon and the NSA. Mm-hmm. Now, oh, my goodness. Amazon appoints ex-director of the NSA to its board of directors, and that would be General Keith Alexander. Mm-hmm. A man who has very few friends in the circles that I run in. What about you, Dave? <laughs> uh, as this article says, he was a polarizing figure during his time <laughs> at NSA for the uh, mass data collection. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, this is an interesting move, and I think the the real story here is how much Amazon is going after government contracts on the you know the Amazon the AWS side of the house yeah uh, where Amazon was going after that big Jedi contract so which, so is Amazon now the Sith because they obviously Jedi. aren't Jedis <laughs> so yeah well hmm. well yeah, it's, I guess so. it's an interesting uh, move because uh, as we know he he's a man with a very special set of skills. <laughs> and one would one would wonder why Amazon would want that set of skills. 
<laughs> he has a very special Rolodex is what he has. <laughs> that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think Jason you've nailed it there. I think this is a this is a who you know, who will take your phone calls. How will, you know, we don't want to lose this Jedi thing or whatever's coming next. Next time we don't want to lose that. So let's uh let's give some of these high level people some very cushy uh spots on our board and take very good care of them and you know give him free amazon prime for life and uh <laughs> see what yeah. that gets for us right mm-hmm. well, i thought I, I thought it was funny i thought i thought his compensation was fairly low it says uh uh, according to the filing, he's going to get 288 shares of Amazon stock, which are going to be spread out over three installments of the next 14 months. 288 shares of Amazon, you know, it it, it is a sizable amount of money. Yeah, it's a sizable <laughs> amount of money, but it's not like, okay, like, you know, here's 20 million. It's like, you know, here's a million bucks. Yeah, but the job is going to be, can you make a phone call for us once every couple months? And that's yeah, it. and on the so. next ten billion contract, we'll take care of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he, it does. It puts him on the hook for things too. You know, he he has responsibility. Being a board member, uh, he has liability issues, and of course, they get insurance for all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I I think that Jason is exactly right here. That this is they're they're buying wait, his wait, Rolodex wait. and his contacts. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got, I, I'm going to I have to I have to splice that together yes. at some point because that, those words have never yeah. been put together in that order. The so entire I, episode is going to be an hour long loop. Of <laughs> Jason is exactly right. Jason is exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. There's the show title. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make turn that into your ringtone. It's going to be yeah, when when you call. That's what it's going to be. Even though you never call me because no. Yeah. No, no, no don't. you don't. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, oh, sad. Sad. <laughs> well, <laughs> some more government news. Customs and Border protect, Protection. I was going to say, I always want to say Customs and Border Patrol, but it's Customs and Border Protection. Right. Uh, they have now signed on with Vigilant to get their entire database of real-time license plate numbers and uh, GPS coordinates so they can track basically anybody anywhere in the U.S. for the most part, wherever Vigilant has data. And, you know, we've talked about the license plate readers ad nauseum on this show. Yep. And this one is just because I I think you talked about it on on many of your shows, Dave, where Customs and Border Patrol has what its jurisdiction between uh, 200 miles from any border, correct? Yes, any border. Uh, yes, any border, which you know includes body of water. Um, yes, and I forget what the incredibly high percentage of citizens live within that zone. But <laughs> almost all because, of them. Yeah. right? Because uh, most of our c- cities are built on in in uh, you know they're they're on they're, rock and um, roll. <laughs> 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 that is true. Uh, however, they are also built. They are also built on the water, on harbors <laughs> for shipping, and and so on and so forth, or or the Great Lakes and all that. So, yeah. Um, but this gives them this gives them eyes in the middle of the country where they didn't have it before, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of interesting. And you know. <laughs> The company that they're partnering with, Vigilant, is you know. I, I, have you have you covered them? I think we talked about them before, but you know, it's they've got a subsidiary that uh, actually gives cameras to repo men who are always out driving around. They have fixed cameras everywhere, and they also give cameras to police departments so they can have mobile cameras and fixed cameras. 
And yep. now uh, CBP has has bought cameras as well. You know, this whole thing is just it's like it is a total panopticon. You cannot leave the house. We need that. We need one of those James Bond flippy license platey things coming up. Yeah. Soon. Or I think of Kit from Knight Rider. He yeah. Had those too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did. I yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we, we, we talked about this on Caveat and – it was in the context that Customs and Border Protection had to uh, publish a report, uh, a disclosure report, which they are required to do. Uh, I believe it's every year. And in this report, one of the things that they highlighted was basically there is no practical way for U.S. citizens to escape our license plate scanning web it it is it is everywhere <laughs> it is ubiquitous there is there's no practical way for anyone to to opt out uh, yeah. which i find awesome. chilling yeah yeah. yeah, quite chilling, quite chilling. Yeah. And they have uh, the ability to load unlimited number of hot list files or records, which means that they can put any license plate into the database and get a get basically a text when they say, oh, found found Joe over here. You know, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's Customs and Border Protection. It's not Joe. It's Jose. So they're <laughs> looking for Jose. And uh, yeah, this is this is a mess. This yeah, is the other a mess. The other part of this that uh, gets uh, Ben Yellen's hackles up is um, that many law enforcement agencies are using sort of this third-party access by by buying someone else's database. They avoid having to get their own warrant. Yep. Right. They, yep. they avoid having to get permission to gather this data on their own. They merely buy it. So uh, I believe there's a number of states who are trying to work on legislation to sort of tamp this down. I hope so. I hope so. Because I remember years ago, I mean, when I lived in San Francisco doing the startup thing, uh, they equipped the city buses with cameras on the bumpers and they were doing license plate reading as they drove around the city. Hmm. And and those license plates were getting pushed back because they were they were basically sending you a parking ticket if you were parked illegally. And mm. how much you want to bet the city of San Francisco was getting extra money to take that all that license plate data and dump it back into the database, you know? Yeah, you know, this happened to me once back when I was working in Baltimore City. I was down uh, downtown right near the aquarium and uh, I had a parking space in a private parking garage, right? My company was paying for me to park there. Very nice, secure, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, one day I, actually, I had actually uh, – I was for some reason I had my wife's car and um, her tags were expired and I didn't – I didn't – <laughs> notice that her tags were expired, you know, about a month out or whatever, for whatever reason, hadn't been renewed, hadn't gotten to it, you know, shame on us. Mm -hmm. um, but I go to my car at the end of the day and there's a ticket on the windshield because yep. the police have just gone through and they're just cruising the private parking garages with the scanners and just tagging, tag them and bag them, folks. I had the same thing happen to me twice at LAX when I parked mm. in long-term parking. Came back from a trip, and there's a $275 ticket on my car for expired tags. And here's the thing that pissed me off, and I fought it, and I actually won. The new tag was in my glove compartment. I just didn't have a screwdriver to take the stupid thing from the, the dealership off to put on the new sticker. So I fought it and I won and I got the ticket, you know, removed. But their their system.
system is so dumb, they don't even check to see if you have actually renewed it, even though this is the state system that's doing this, which is just ridiculous. It was a pain in the ass. But yeah, even at long-term parking at the airport, they cruise too. It's annoying. <laughs> and speaking of computers reading things that they generally shouldn't be doing, Portland has adopted the strictest facial recognition ban in the nation so far. Now, this is good news. I think it'd be better if it wasn't Portland because Portland's kind of a shit show right now. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it, I, I, I would I would prefer this was anybody but Portland. But uh, they have actually banned the acquisition and use of facial recognition technology by any city bureau in Portland. Period. Cops can't use it. Uh, you know, courtrooms can't use it. Period. You're done. You cannot use it. But there are some some uh, loopholes in here that they can use. Um, private entities can still use it, but not in places of public accommodation. So that means, you know, basically facial recognition is banned by the government, period, done. And private entities in public spaces, like, you know, if you go to the bank, you can't use facial recognition. Uh, you can't get it on the subway or going to the airport, which is interesting. Um, hmm. But you can use it in public schools, which I thought was strange, private clubs, places of worship or workplaces. Now, if you have a factory, they say you can use it inside of the factory, but you can't use it in the lobby, which I thought was strange, but it, it <laughs> places a public gathering, you know? Um, so good for them to do it. And, yeah. you know, hopefully it'll set a precedent. I just wish it wasn't Portland because <laughs> Portland doesn't really have the best track record right now. Yeah. Uh, how, what, what are your concerns with Portland specifically? Well, the fact that they basically turned into the, you know, fourth season or third or fourth season of The Wire for half of half of this year and let, right. you know, the no law zone happen. Right, um, right, right, right. So little things like that and the fact that they're still having protests and all that crap. But, you know, the yeah. protests were and, and, and as a caveat to that, the protests were, you know, extended because of the, you know, unmarked federal goons that came in and rented cars and kept stoking the fires. But Portland still is just kind of a shit show right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, This well, list is interesting. I mean, public schools, private clubs, places of worship or workplaces. I suppose that, I mean, is that, here's the list of places that have been shot up recently. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah. I, I get the list. I get the list. I'm I'm happy about the side where the government can't use it, um, and the other you know private entities that can use it. That's on them. You know, at least there's no uh, there's no liability for the government at this point. So it, it removes the liability from the government for using it because they are forced not to use it. Does that mm -hmm. mean they're actually not going to use it? Who knows? You know, <laughs> we've, we've had a couple stories this week, uh, especially on the East Coast, about cities using that to get people from protests. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this this pans out. But maybe maybe basically the, the city council saw what was going on on the East Coast with Florida and uh, New York and the other, you know, the other places that we saw where they were using uh, uh, like archive footage from the protest to go back and arrest people. Because right. I, I think at this point in Portland, if they started doing that, they would have to arrest Portland for all the protests. <laughs> so maybe they're like, you know, we're just going to we're going to stop you guys right now. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good start. What do you think, Brian? You've been awfully quiet. Uh, I don't know. It's I the Portland thing is is a. Uh, 
I, I wish it wasn't there as well. I agree with you just because it's, it's such a polarizing shit show right now, Portland in general. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's definitely Republican and Democrat have completely different opinions about what's going on there. So to have this as a precedent is unfortunate because it's going to be tainted by that. But I, I support the idea. I, I think we all agree that facial recognition does need regulation. It should, shouldn't be used. It's not ready for prime time, specifically for police. But uh, I don't like private corporations using it either. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting test bed, right? We'll see, yeah. you know, what, what works, what doesn't. How Do, do some people find workarounds? Uh, <laughs> As per usual, yes. Yeah. In general, that probably yeah. will happen. But yeah, it's, it's just for me, it's unfortunate that it's Portland because the results will be tainted because of mm. the political environment. Right. And as we know, AI always has a workaround because AI is people. They could be using <laughs> it and then you know, send Joe or Jose back into the room to say, you saw this guy doing the thing and you remembered him from before, right? Right? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Say no more. Put mm -hmm. him in cuffs. <laughs> okay. You know, it's there. They're, they're, like you said, Brian, there are workarounds to this, but uh, yeah, no. Well, but I mean, doesn't that, part of what that I find interesting about that is, uh, is the use of facial recognition as a secondary means of verification as as you know one of many bits of evidence to build a case rather than the primary, primary thing yeah. let's figure out who was this person well let's throw it at facial recognition you know if if to have a preponderance of the evidence including facial recognition and th then i i guess i'm a little more uh okay with it um, but but who chooses that, right? Yeah. How do you? Right. Who's to decide? And that's that's where the problem lies. Yep. All right. Well, this has been a fun week. <laughs> <laughs> aren't, aren't they always? <laughs> hey, man, we're back yeah. in the saddle. That's great. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, guys. Well, it's good catching up, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. All righty. Ups and doodads. Well, I got this note from Bruce Schneier, the famed uh, security expert. Mm -hmm. And the reason this is in apps and doodads, not security, ha, is because this is about WordPress. <laughs> and after all these years, I've, I found this just very amusing. He's moving his blog from movable type. You remember, remember movable, movable type? type. <laughs> to WordPress business. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I've been talking about, WordPress business is good. But he's using the the concierge service at WordPress to have them move it for him. And I'm like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I, Turns I'm out sure it, they it, put their best and brightest on it. They've got they well, they've got good people over there. I'm not gonna bang on them. It's just taking a, a movable type blog and moving it to WordPress in this day and age. I'm like, it has to be just a nightmare. And uh I, I just I was like, movable type, are they still around? And holy shit, they are. You can still go get a movable type website. <laughs> nice. Uh, and it costs you like five hundred bucks a year. <laughs> Which is why, sorry, Ben and Mina, you failed. So many reasons why they failed, but uh I told you PHP was going to be a thing. Pearl was not. <laughs> Sorry. I told you. You didn't listen. Go screw yourselves. Uh, anyway, uh, it's it really funny. But I, here's the one part. The, the programmers here will get a kick out of this. So all of the the pages in on Schneier.com all ended in .html. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, pretty URLs are a thing nowadays, and you don't have .html anymore. You have it for like, oh, I don't know, 15 years. Yes. It's been so a long they time. Had, they had to go reprogram all this WordPress crap to have .html on the end of every single page. And I just looked at a new entry on Schneier on security. And, of course, new blog post has .html on it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Seriously? Seriously? You kept the naming convention and just didn't do redirects? Oh, uh, I'm sure. Yep. Redirects it's, probably would have been a smarter move. But, you, I mean, obviously, he wants to keep it because of all the people that have linked to him over the years. Right, but you do a 301 redirect, you're not going to lose any SEO juice. It'll, yep. it'll be just fine. Yep. But uh, I just thought it was funny. I mean, this is like, you know, okay. And and the security guy, the security guy, Bruce Schneier, the security guy, is moving to WordPress, which is known, <laughs> as we talked about on the last episode, for not being the best when it comes to security. But I guess the business we and concierge classes. We cannot throw stones because the business <laughs> and that that they handle a lot of that stuff for you. But yes, self-hosted WordPress and uh, rando plugins that you get off the internet, like a one-night stand. Uh, expect to, you know, have to take some penicillin after a while because you're going to get a virus or two. Yeah. And uh, guess what, Jason? We have another streaming network. Oh, you've got to be shitting me. I don't know exactly who's going to be signing up for this one, and I don't blame them because they probably want to make some money uh, for what they've got. But uh, the Grammy Museum, it's been closed since the beginning of the pandemic, and most of the filmed interviews and performances in its archives have remained locked behind its downtown L.A. doors. But they are bringing it to a subscription service. They're, they've digitized – well, it's all been digitized anyways, but they're calling it uh, Collection Live. Just rolls off the tongue. Come on. Where's Grammy Plus? Exactly. Come on. <laughs> and it's launching September 17th. It'll be $2.99 per month or $29.99 for a full year. Uh, it's basically going to be interviews and uh, special performances and things of that nature. So it's hard to see what exactly the, the consumer base would be for this, other than people that are super into the music industry already. Um, I, I just don't know if they're going to get that many people that sign up for it. Okay. Okay. We'll I think probably not. Yeah, me either. So, so I I bought something new this week. All uh, right. Something big. Something big. <laughs> this is my first new camera in a very long time. I got the Nikon ZX FX format mirrorless camera with Nikkor Z twenty four to seventy millimeter f four s lens, mm-hmm. and uh, got this from our good friends and partners at Adorama. And uh, that's a hefty price tag, Jason. It was twenty four hundred bucks plus tax, but there is not the I did not do my research. Show slash donate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't realize that you know I knew that this was a an evolution in cameras from Nikon. It's got these Z lenses which have a bigger aperture, so you can get more light through. So they work better in low light, mm-hmm. and it's mirrorless with a full frame sensor. So when I press the shutter button, there's not two clicks. There's one, which is disconcerting. Uh, but the thing that I didn't figure out until I got it and was trying to use it on a shoot the next day was that there is a new memory card format that nobody told me about, and it's called the XQD. I have more I have more compact flash cards and SD cards and micro SD cards than I can throw it. You know, it's, it, it's incredible how many cards I have. And then I get this thing, and it's like, nope, we changed the game on you. I'm like, you It's probably fuckers. in the manual. Uh, it is in the manual. That's the funny part. But here's the other funny part. They, um, it actually uses 
two different types of cards. You can use the XKD card or you can use the CF Express cards, okay. uh, which are another new format, which are faster than the XQD cards. But to use the CF Express cards, you have to update the firmware on the camera, which means you have to buy an XQD card with a card reader that reads XQD upload the firmware to it, plug that back into the camera, update the firmware, take that out, put in your CF Express card, and then go ahead and format that. Then you can use it. But you can't... There's no way to update the firmware on my $2,400 camera without going out <laughs> and spending $200 on a card and card reader that I will probably not use ever again, which I think is a fucking design flaw. Um, <laughs> the XQD cards are fast enough. I'm going to keep using it. I'm not going to spend the money on the CF Express card, but... It's just one of those design flaws that I'm like, look, it's got USB-C. I plug this thing into my computer. It should mount the card. It yep. should mount the card as a drive on my computer. Nope. Nope. Just sees it as a camera so you can download the photos, but you cannot upload anything to the camera. Nikon, this is a flaw. This is a big flaw. It's even got Wi-Fi. It's got built-in Wi-Fi. So I can, you know, stream it where I can like use this thing to attach to my computer wherever I'm at and transfer over Wi-Fi. It's got Bluetooth. <laughs> You'd think <laughs> that that would be another way to put something on the camera. Nope, nope, nope. I got to go out and buy a card reader, which I have almost <laughs> none of anymore. And a card that is gigantic. It's ginormous, but that's how you can get the great 4K video out of this thing. Now, on the upside... The camera's beautiful. It's amazing. I love this thing. It doesn't have the same resolution as my D810, which I've talked to on, on our uh, Discord channel with people about, but it looks better. So there you go. But I'm mainly using this thing for video even, which is even you know, more ironic that I'm not even <laughs> going to use it as a still camera. It's going to be a video camera. Right. But uh, yeah, I got a new job and uh, I got to learn how to use this thing soup to nuts in the next uh, five days. Because I got three of them coming that I have to set up in a studio, so I'm like, I best get, get best get to cracking on it. Um, right. But it's if you're a Nikon guy, man, this thing is beautiful. The lenses, the lens, it's just it feels like a great Nikon, even though it's a mirrorless camera. And for twenty four hundred dollars, it damn well better. It damn well better. Brick a brick. Brian, we've been saying that uh, the United States is becoming a third world country for about seven years now based yep. on infrastructure and our notices of what's going on with broadband and the roads and the electrical grid and just about everything that, you know, and if you if you pay attention, you notice these things. Well, it turns out we were correct <laughs> because the Social Progress Index has come out and it scores countries on 50 aspects of their quality of life. And we took 28th place. We're 28. We're 28. <laughs> yeah, well, there's just about one thing that we're number one in, and that's coronavirus deaths. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and well, I'm not sure if it's ironic, as we're in the middle of discussing our crumbling infrastructure and I lost my entire connection, or somebody's listening to us and doesn't want this recorded. Yeah, I know. You were just like, you are talking about, oh, yeah, we're number one in COVID-19 cases, and then boom, you were gone. Okay. Uh, I did want to mention something about we're number one in COVID-19 cases, because today is the 19th anniversary of September 11th, mm -hmm. and which was a terrible day. We both remember it probably more than we ever want to. But uh, yeah, we have the same death toll from September 11th about every three days now, and people seem to kind of forget that, like... Yeah, it's, they do. They don't it's seem kind of to a, care. 
big freaking deal. And uh, yeah, no, it's like, uh, you know, the difference I think is September 11th was visceral, uh, visceral, visual and visceral. I made a new word, visceral. Um, And everybody saw it and we all got PTSD from watching CNN on a loop that day. Uh, But this is, uh, this is not in our face. All these numbers are abstract. Unless you know somebody that died, which, you know, at least I know four. I don't know how many you know. A handful, yeah. A handful, yeah. Everybody that I know has lost somebody at this point. But, uh, yeah, people just keep thinking it's a nothing burger. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, back to your point. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, back to the point is, uh, my here's the here's the worst one. When it comes to discrimination against minority groups, the U.S. took a dismal 100th place. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's not the change we want to see in the world coming at this point. No, no, it's not. And, uh, you know, as I saw you put this article in and I, I scanned through it, of course, uh, uh, my mind immediately went to the opening scene of HBO's Newsroom, which oh, was, that was so good <laughs> eight years ago now at this point. And unfortunately, the show never quite lived up to the promise of this initial sequence. But if you've never seen it, uh, do go and watch it. HBO's Newsroom opening scene, Why America's Not the Greatest Country. Uh, we have the link in the show notes. And I would like to point out that... Uh, there is no fake news in this whole rant in this thing. That is all real. Those are all yep. real statistics as of eight years ago now. Uh, we are not the greatest country in the world. We could be, but we aren't. Brian, make America <laughs> great again. Yes, please. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I saw this and I thought this was really interesting. If you are not in California, you have probably not uh, seen the skies firsthand. Maybe you've seen some photos that uh, friends of yours have posted, but it has been uh, uh, apocalyptic here recently. Even uh, as I'm not anywhere particularly near a fire here in Santa Monica, but uh, the light has been strange. We've got red sunsets and everything is going on. It is weird. It is strange and you feel off. Uh, It's very Blade Runner-esque. Yeah, it Uh, is. It is. Or Mars. (laughs) Or Mars. Yeah, I didn't even think about Mars. But uh, yeah, people have been doing the mashup with uh, Blade Runner. And I think my friend Eddie Codell did a bunch of drone footage from San Francisco yesterday and somebody put the Blade Runner soundtrack to it. (laughs) And it was just, it's pretty eerie. Pretty damn eerie. It is eerie. But I saw this article and I thought this was hilarious. Our phones are color correcting the apocalypse. Yep, they are. So yeah, the the sky is so weird and the light and the color is so wrong that if you take a photo with your advanced AI uh, phones and and the cameras, it is color correcting it so they don't look quite right. So you actually have to go in and fix the settings yourself or take a photo with a real camera because uh, it is color correcting everything. Might I recommend the Nikon Z6 from <laughs> Adorama? Check the link in the show notes. Yeah, uh, yeah I thought this was, was really funny because the, the crappy thing about the, the color correction they're doing is it's kind of beautiful light. You know, this is kind of we have the magic hour all day long. So you should be able to get, you know, sunset photos all day. But yeah, uh, yeah that's that, that's a bug, not a feature. <laughs> Definitely. And I saw this one. I just thought it was funny because we talk about it all the time. Uh, there's been another electric scooter accident and somebody's been injured. This okay, time. Who is it? Rihanna. <laughs> okay. What was she doing? She's said to be recovering after a fall, which reportedly saw her suffer bruises to her head and face. Uh, it comes after photos have emerged of the singer in a car in LA last week with her injuries said to be visible. Uh, her representatives say she's fine and recuperating well, but she flipped over on an electric scooter last week, not wearing a helmet, obviously, and bruised okay, her forehead okay. and face. Hang on here. Hang on here. Um, these, these things keep going back and forth and it's driving me crazy. Uh, 
everybody's saying electric scooter, electric scooter, and then somebody goes electric bike. Was it an e-bike? Was it a scooter? Some people can't figure out what the hell they were riding because Simon Cowell broke his back and it was first reported that it was a scooter, but no, it turned out it was a, an e-bike. Right. And it's like, I don't know why these people can't figure out that one simple fact. Uh, you it throw E into the crazy. equation and it's all over. Yeah, well, hey, man, that's that's the one drug I never tried, so I can't make any fun of it. I'm like, man, maybe if I was on E, I'd write crappy articles, too, but No, you wouldn't. You'd just lay in your bed and be happy. Trust me. Do you have some? I could use that right <laughs> now. I, I wish. Closing shout outs. And a shout out to Dame Diana Rigg, who passed away this week at the age of 82. You would uh, know her from Game of Thrones, you youngins. Uh, you super old people will remember her as the super hot chicken Avengers. All right. Sorry, Dame Diana. You had a good run. Oh, I mean, amazing. She really kind of normalized a female action hero. She was the first. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, 82, good run and probably a good time to get out if you got to get out now. <laughs> That's true. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. This show is a labor of love, but your support keeps the show going. If you like the show, please visit GOG.show slash donate to help us out. We'll love you forever. Or visit GOG.shop once we get it working, working finally and pick up some good old-fashioned GOG swag. <laughs> they let us get it through. And if you can't do that, then please pass the show along to a friend. Word of mouth is the only way the show grows, so spread the grump far and wide. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 471. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, donate to the show, buy our swag, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy. Like, good afternoon. My name is, you know, like, Lars Ulrich from Metallica. I worked for years to get where I am today. Years and years of playing clubs and recording demo tapes. Me and my buddy, like, James Hetfield here, have shed blood, sweat, and motherfucking beer to get where we are today. Beer! Good! And now we're fucking wealthy beyond, you know, like, belief. I mean, the other day it was, like, obvious to me how much money we have, because our basis, you know, like, motherfucking Jason Newstead bought his very first gold-plated Ferrari, and the fucking thing came with, you know, like, a crew of naked Filipino sex slaves and this Mexican houseboy all free just because he's from Metallica you know that's fucking rich man so where was I oh yeah all you post pubescent boys who have bought like our albums and our t-shirts and our concert videos and and, and, and t-shirts good yeah t-shirts you loyal fans who like bang your heads at our concerts and pay like $200 for a ticket $20 for like a CD like $50 for a Metallica t-shirt and like $100 for a genuine Metallica cock ring you're all fucking awesome and we'll never forget you. You fucking made us rich. You fucking made us popular. You got us under the cover of, you know, like, Kerrang! magazine. I worship you. You, the Metallica fan. Beer. Good. Unless you download it until it sleeps from Napster. Then you're going to motherfucking jail. You're motherfucking meat. You'll be some fat, greasy, tattooed bastard's buttery cornhole. Who do you think you are? I mean, just, you know, because you, like, made us rich, you think you can get free stuff? Songs that we spent upwards of, you know, like, 24 to 48 hours writing and recording? I mean, James blew up for you. He ignited into a fiery inferno for you people. Fire bad! Fire bad! Our team of lawyers and researchers have your names, and we're gonna hunt you down like the table scrap pilfering grab asses you are. Grab asses bad! So to conclude, rock on Metallica fans, we'll see you on tour this summer. And you Napster users, we'll see you in jail getting gang raped. Money good! Napster bad!
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.